Jesus used all of this to make heaven and earth meet in front of this man. Approved by God, Jesus said the words, Ephatha, be open, and God, at the sound of the word, healed the deaf man. As Cole said, I'm Jay. Um, on the preaching team here, which just basically means I get to talk about how awesome Jesus is every couple of weeks, couple of months. And it's one of my greatest pleasures to get to serve here. But Cole mentioned how I've been coming here for six years. And in the early part of those six years, my wife and I took something called a baby moon. Now, for the uninformed, a baby moon is where you don't have a child yet, but your wife is pregnant, and she has enjoyed the view of her toilet bowl at home, and now she wants to see it in foreign places. So we said Europe. That's got square toilet bowls, and that would be a wonderful place for her to experience throwing up in a new foreign place. The expression on her face is great. I love it. (laughs) So like most things, I did not do much planning. Uh, We knew that we were going to Germany to start, and we knew that we were going to Switzerland to end. And after going through Germany, we went to this amazing city called Salzburg, Austria. Now, for those of you who don't know, Salzburg is on the border with Germany. It is surrounded by mountains. It is just glorious when you get there. There's a castle that overlooks the city. And the classical architecture, the history, all of these amazing things are part of the city. And as we were walking through and exploring it, we started to see this reoccurring theme. Julie Andrews. (laughs) Julie Andrews in dresses that went down to her ankle. This was the city where the sound of music was filmed. (laughs) Now, for the unaware, The Sound of Music was a film that came out in 1965 <laughs> about the Von Trapp family. And it is, it's a cultural icon. I love the movie. My wife, being from Brazil, had not seen it, so we went to our Airbnb. We watched it that night. We saw all the places. Um, I, I played um, Max Detweiler in my senior production of um, The Sound of Music. So it hit close to home. I, I'm a huge fan of using a whistle to um, make your kids do things. <laughs> it's in the Amazon cart. <laughs> and I have to tell you, when Julie Andrews sang, the hills did come alive with The Sound of Music. But there was something that seemed out of place about the sound of music being so heavily um, showcased in the city. You see, Salzburg, Austria, had another significant piece of musical history. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart was born there. Like, the most important composer to ever exist was born in this city. He has written over 800 pieces. They are performed every single day, week, month, year, all of it. And I am sure that until Jesus comes back, we are going to be hearing Mozart. Sound of Music? Probably 50 more years. I don't know. It'll go into obscurity eventually. But Mozart is going to be played forever. (laughs) So what catches the unexpected tourists in Salzburg is that the surprise that despite 
the gravity of Mozart being from that city, 90% of the tourism resources, the, the tours, the signage, the advertisements, everything is dedicated to the sound of music. They're both good. They're both great. Like, I love them both. But in a head-to-head battle, guess who wins? It's not Julie Andrews. It's Mozart. Um, there was only two options, but... <laughs> And what we find is that sometimes we forget to look up from the good that is in front of us to what is bigger and greater. And this section of Mark demonstrates that beautifully. So please stand, if you are able, for the reading of God's word, showing that God's word is above my words. And if you cannot turn to it in time, we've got a pro, we've got Ben running the slides, it's going to be up on the screen. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting touched his tongue, and looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Please be seated. This is God's word. It is true and it is good. Lord, there's no weakness. There's no inadequacy. There's no fear that your Holy Spirit cannot overcome. So as we just sang the words that we want to know you more than we know you, I pray that you would use me as an empty vessel to help these people, this church that I love, know you more than they know you now. In Jesus' name, amen. So it feels like Jesus is in, uh, let's call it side quest mode. You know, he's got this major mission. He's come to earth. He's going to redeem his bride. But in the time being, he's going on these healings, these exorcisms, these short stories. And honestly, I, I love this. Um, the, the point of a side quest is you get to see the character, you get to see the person, you get to see the work of someone in smaller digestible bites that then expands out to that major picture. And we're back in Decapolis. So, Decapolis, Jesus has returned there. And I would bet all of my money that Jesus was referred to as the big guy in Decapolis. Why do I say that? Well, the last time he was there, he destroyed the local economy by casting a demon into a group of pigs and then having the pigs run off into the ocean and then breakfast was destroyed for a few weeks, Um, Sunday barbecues were destroyed, and the pork future market just was ugly. That's the kind of thing that really will get you a reputation And it definitely got Jesus a reputation in the city. 
Um, the region was part of the east part of the Promised Land, and it had been taken over by Rome um, to do what politicians do. They wanted more power. Uh, they wanted to be able to squash revolutions in cities like Damascus, and they wanted to enrich themselves by having a good trading area. And with this, what would probably be a negative reputation by some, I, I am very encouraged that Jesus decided to return. He was not a favorite son at the time, but he came back because he knew that there was more work to be done. And the deaf man was at the heart of this work. So what do we know about this deaf man? I'm going to tell you, it ain't much. Number one, he's deaf. Number two, he is a man. (laughs) Number three, he can't talk real good. And number four, and I think most importantly, is that there is a team of people around him who want him to speak who want him to hear. And that says a lot about a person. If I was suffering from the same ailments, my wife would definitely go to Jesus and say, he cannot hear well. I think there would be a glaring omission about my ability to speak. (laughs) But these men said, no, we want to put this man in front of Jesus and have him speak and listen. And while I'm joking about deafness in our age, in this age, it wasn't a joke. There wasn't Braille. There wasn't subtitles. Sign language was years away from existing. Lip reading wasn't a thing. And even if you could read, which I I highly doubt, there'd be very few pieces of paper or or any means for him to read in any of the ancient world. When he saw friends laughing, he didn't know why. Maybe he was the subject of the joke. Maybe it was something that he needed to be included in. There was no means for him to communicate. When Roman soldiers would pass by in the streets, he wouldn't know what they were directing him to until he was pushed down and cast aside like a dog. It's my assumption that he was probably a beggar. There's just not much you can do when you can't communicate with others, and there's no text messaging or other means of communication that would put this man into any advantage. And even in begging, he would be weak. Just being able to make incoherent sounds and hope that people would put money in his jars if they walked by. As I think about deafness in this age, I would choose blindness over being deaf. And this man, as he was being pulled by his friends to Jesus, he would have had no idea what was going on. He hadn't heard of Jesus. Yeah, the the pig guy had a reputation there, but he wouldn't have heard about it. He wouldn't have been able to read or know that a Jewish Messiah was coming. He just had a group of people who probably had smiles on their faces, love in their eyes, who directed him to the Son of God. And what happened when he got to the Son of God? Jesus looked down with compassion and said, let's go away privately. So let's talk about the healing. I'm going to make two very safe assumptions about this particular healing. Number one, your Sunday school, your vacation Bible school, your Bible camp, or your youth group did not do a Mark 7, 
31 through 37 skit. <laughs> Number two, if your Sunday school, vacation Bible school, Bible camp, or youth group did a Mark 7, 31 through 37 skit, someone was fired very shortly after that. <laughs> so I will do my best to reenact what this looked like, um, not on a person because I want to preach again, but <laughs> let's just read it. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, (laughs) touched his tongue. And that was probably my only opportunity to ever spit from the pulpit. And I literally just blew it. (laughs) (laughs) And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ifatha, that is to be open. And his ears were opened And his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. As interesting as that display was, Jesus' actions show love to the deaf man and show us a pattern. Not a recipe, not something to follow step by step, but a pattern in loving the lesser of these. So, step number one of five steps Meet people where they are. Yes, people came to Jesus, but Jesus contextualized his message to this man. This probably wouldn't have been the first healing that the deaf man had gone through. Uh, There's a lot of people back in um, in the Decapolis region who would have done similar types of healings. Theatrics, magic words, touching. That was something that um, this deaf man, if his friends were persistent in trying to get him healed, he would have had to go through multiple times. And as a predominantly reformed group of people at this church, we do have a very strong ethic in how the Sunday morning is supposed to go. And I love that about our church. I love that there is a Google Drive that is at capacity with documents talking about what Sunday morning looks like, how how the songs are going to go, how the liturgy is going to go. But when you are on mission, you have to meet people where they are. And in this case, Jesus met the man where he was and did what he would have been expecting out of a healer. Number two, Jesus got physically close to the man. Jesus brought this man and his helpers close by. He brought them into private, and he reached out and touched his ears. This man wouldn't have been able to communicate, to know what was going on, And the touch of the ears was something that would indicate to him that Jesus was there to heal him, to help him, and not condemn him. Most importantly, Jesus looked up. He looked to God. He said, I am not doing this on my own. I need to be in step with the Father. And Christian, I have a challenge for you. As you are ministering to people, are you looking up? Are you asking God for help? Are you praying by name? Are you praying in specificity for the people that you're ministering to? Because that is what Jesus is doing right here. He's looking up and he's asking God for help. And if Jesus needed to do it, you'd need to. Number four, Jesus got emotionally close to this man. He sighed. The weight of this fallen world, of how it manifested in this man, came to him and it caused Jesus to need a physical release. 
the author of creation felt something deep within him to sigh and have compassion on the man. Christian, loving people is messy business. Your heart needs to break, and it will break, and that's good. And finally, Jesus brought people to God. Jesus used all of this to make heaven and earth meet in front of this man. Approved by God, Jesus said the words, Ephatha, be open, and God, at the sound of the word, healed the death man. And that would have been the buzzer beater. That would have been the goal with 10 seconds left to win the championship. That would have been the storm coming and the clouds dividing with the sun coming through so that the man could see and know that he is loved by God and everyone around him would have rejoiced and been happy and the words of Isaiah 35, which I am going to read, would have been in front of him. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus, which is a field of flowers. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of God and they saw it. The majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come to save you. Then, and this is what these people were experiencing, the eyes of the blind shall be opened the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes and the highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall not belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. These men were in front of gladness and joy. They had just witnessed their friend be healed. Everything seemed possible for them at this moment, and all they wanted to do was share the goodness and glory of God with every freaking person that they would encounter along the way. And the second thing that Jesus said to this man was, shut up. pretty ironic if you ask me (laughs) that a man who was deaf and unable to speak the second thing that Jesus said to him was be quiet do not tell so what's going on here maybe it's fight club (laughs) have you guys seen fight club it's a good movie Uh, no I can't recommend it it's a movie it exists (laughs) (laughs) and I probably shouldn't talk about it we don't talk about about it but part of the plot of the movie Fight Club is that there's these men who start beating each other up and the first rule of Fight Club is don't talk about Fight Club but 
Oddly enough, fight clubs start developing everywhere. They start taking over the United States. So, obviously the first rule wasn't followed by anyone. And the thought is, maybe Jesus was pulling a sleight of hand by saying, don't talk about me. Maybe Jesus was saying, I know how to get my name out there. Yes, maybe the man who, was, who described himself as truth used deception and manipulation in order to, 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 to spread his name. No, no, that is not it. All right, all right, let's, uh, let's go with alternative number two. Jesus didn't want to be known. Okay, fair enough. Um, wait a second. He was teaching a large crowd at the time, and sorry to spoil next week's sermon, but he's going to be teaching a crowd of 4,000, which if you're from Iowa, that's bigger than most towns here, so... Okay, Jesus wanted to be known. It was a Gentile region. He was in the Decapolis. He was under enemy occupation, and we talked about it last week. Jesus um, said that the children need food before the dogs take the scraps. Uh, For better context on that, please listen to Cole's sermon last week. But maybe Jesus was saying, hey, you guys don't get the scraps. Um, We we need to have Israel come to Jesus before... before, um, you know, any of the Gentiles do. But um, looking back at Jesus' last trip to the Decapolis, um, he said to the man who he healed the demon, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Okay. So we're not going to go with that one either. So, When you look at the text, though, it becomes very evident why Jesus told the men not to share his name. It's right in front of you. Do you guys want to know what it is? He spit. I recall a genius child conversation that I had with my mom when I was a child after a day at the pool. My mom came to me and she said, Jay, you need to drink some water. I said, Mom, guess what? (sighs) What? I don't need to drink water. (sighs) Yes, you do. (laughs) No, I can drink my spit. I can fill my mouth with spit and drink it. And then I'm not thirsty. I have found an unlimited way to be hydrated. What happens when you run out of spit, honey? (laughs) Mom, I won't run out of spit. These men had the same logic that I did as a child. Saliva is satisfying to swallow. And saliva is what Jesus used to touch the tongue. It can quench thirst for a moment, but it's not the source. Saliva is a byproduct of water. These men weren't looking to the bigger picture. They were on the Julia Andrews Sound of Music tour and not going to the birthplace of Mozart. They needed water, not saliva. But where would this water come from? Well, before I answer that question, I want to talk about this particular stage in Christianity. Everything that we know about Jesus today, the life, the ethics, the, the glory, the goodness, 
all the beauty, the truth, and the goodness is true. But at this particular moment, as Jesus is standing in front of these men, his mission is not complete. And it will not be complete until he dies and comes back. It's like going to Costco. For those of you who don't know, Costco is a magical place where old ladies will give you free food. They will hand you a pre-made chicken quesadilla, and you'll try it, and they'll say, and honey, there's a box right behind me of Kirkland Signature chicken quesadillas for $17.99. You should pick them up. It's a really good deal. They're $5 off. And you say, that's awesome. And you have that taste of it. And it's the same exact substance. It's the same exact thing as what you're going to take home. But the box that you put in your cart is not yours until the purchase has been made. And you show your receipt at the door. (laughs) And at this moment in Mark, Jesus is that free sample. He is that chicken quesadilla that the old lady gave to you Um, from her little sample stand. He's the same substance as the Jesus we worship today, but he could not be the Jesus that he needed to be at that very moment. He needed to complete his mission first before his name went out. When these men disobeyed, and I say disobeyed, Jesus urgently, he reminded them, I do not want you to share my name when they disobeyed the command of Christ to remain silent, they were saying that they owned the box of Costco chicken quesadillas after having just a sample. They were on that Sound of Music tour. Darn it, I already used that joke. All right. And finally, they were saying and drinking spit and saying that it was just as satisfying as water. So if drinking spit is not sustainable, and it's not then how do we get to the source? How do we get to water? Well, earlier I said that this story was basically a side quest, something that reveals Jesus' character in a smaller way and points to the grand narrative. And that pattern that Jesus put together, that was in front of, that will be in front of us in a few weeks on the cross. The whole grand narrative is that Jesus descended and took on flesh, contextualizing with us to be the new Adam. Jesus journeyed throughout the ancient Israel to proclaim the kingdom of God, getting physically close to people. Jesus looked to God, being obedient to him, even to the point of death. Jesus emotionally engaged with his flock, yelling, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in so doing, the veil of the temple was ripped from top to bottom, giving us all access to God the Father. But in the crucifixion, Jesus did not spit. Instead, a Roman soldier jousted him with a spear, and out of the side of him came water and blood. And by this water and blood, all men are healed, and we have a source of new life, Christian By his wounds, you are healed. By his wounds, you are healed. And because of that, this is true. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Spit can't do that. Only water can do that. 
and it shall rejoice in singing. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. The, then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness out of the side of the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy is available to you through this water. We will attain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. And because the living water came from his side, Jesus' command is far different for us than it was for those men um, that day. He said, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Christian, look to the crucified Christ who is greater than the Christ that was in front of those deaf men that day and share him. Be the annoying Christian. It's all right, okay? There is hell and heaven on on the stake for people that we love. So share. Be the annoying Christian, but do it from a heart that loves God. Lord, let us look upward to you not forsaking the good that is in front of us, but knowing that there is a greater glory that your purposes have put in front of us. Make us into the annoying Christians who won't shut up about you. In Jesus' name, amen.